Hello and welcome to episode 32 of Late Night Linux Extra. I'm Joe. And today we've got a chat with Gary Kramlik, who is the project maintainer for Pigeon. Pigeon, of course, is the instant messaging application that allows you to consolidate all of your different accounts and services into one app. It was originally called Game, and it's been around since the late 90s. Gary's been the maintainer of Pigeon for just under six years at this point, and it was really nice to have a chat with him. Before we get to that, just a quick thank you to everyone who supports us with PayPal and Patreon. We really, really do appreciate that, especially now we've added a new show to the Late Night Linux family. Check that out. It's called Linux After Dark. It's at linuxafterdark.net. If you go to latenightlinux.com slash support, you'll find details of how to support us. And remember that for $5 or more per month on Patreon, you can get an advert-free RSS feed that includes all three shows, Late Night Linux, Late Night Linux Extra, and Linux After Dark. So let's get straight on with it then. Thanks for joining me, Gary. Thanks for having me. I've been meaning to talk to you for quite a long time about Pigeon because you did actually email in to the main show when we'd talked about not being able to use various messaging services on the desktop. And you basically linked us to the huge list of plugins that are available. Yeah, so we actually have a lot of support for a lot of the modern protocols or network, chat networks, whatever you want to call them. Except most of them are done as third-party plugins. So it's not immediately obvious to people who just like install Pigeon from their distribution or FlatHub or something like that, that all of these other additional protocols are available. Why does it have to be plugins then? The plugin concept goes back very far. That even gets back to part of the naming of Pigeon, right? The, the core library is named libpurple, which is a derivative of, we used to abbreviate protocol plugins as PRPL that people would pronounce purple. And the reason everything is a plugin is it gives you the ability to just add in an additional chat protocol without waiting with a, for a full release and stuff like that. But more importantly, like if there's a bug in a protocol plugin or in a plugin in general, right? Somebody can just package it up, push it out, update it. They're good to go. We don't have to sit and actually wait for us to do an entire pigeon release, which is a very long process. Right. I see. That makes sense then. Another thing to add to that too is when you're working with um, a proprietary protocol, it's not uncommon for them to change things that end up breaking a plugin or a protocol plugin. So like if you had to wait for an entire pigeon release to do an update because something broke where you can't list your uh, friends anymore, that's, that's going to be a problem, right? So by having the plugins separate from the main tree, it gives them the added agility to deal with those problems and just, you know, address them immediately and get a release out much sooner. And are these plugins all maintained by different people then? A lot of them are actually maintained by one person. Um, but aside from that, the, it's, all, it's all just different people that have done all sorts of crazy stuff. There's even one protocol plugin that works with Docker that was written by third party. And what it does is it connects to your local Docker daemon, and then it shows all of your running containers in the buddy list. <laughs> and then you can open up a conversation to your container, and the chat history is the output from the container, the standard out. And then when you send a message, that gets passed into standard in in the container. That's some real itch scratching, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's kind of how all of these plugins must get started, right? Like someone wants a particular protocol, so they have to make the plugin for it. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, we try to make sure that people are working on the bigger networks and stuff like that. So like recently, there was the Google Hangouts to Google Chat 
transition. So, you know, trying to help people that are doing that work and giving them examples and helping them test and that kind of stuff is also really big for us too. So gone are the good old days of open protocols. It must be a nightmare to keep up with all the changes. I mean, you mentioned that's why they're as plugins, but surely that just must be a Sisyphean task. Like just they change them all the time, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say that necessarily the open protocols are gone. We're seeing a lot of that with Matrix. Uh, you know, a lot of people are standardizing around Matrix again, just like they did uh, years ago for XMPP. But XMPP is still alive and still around. Um, but even Matrix is adding new features too, right? So, like, they just pushed in this new Spaces feature, which, great, now I have to come up with an abstraction for that to make it work inside of LibPurple and Pigeon. <laughs> Presumably, stuff like Signal is a lot easier to do because that's open source, right? Yes and no. Um, so Signal doesn't exactly allow third-party clients on their network. That's pretty much par for the course for us, actually. There's at least one third-party Signal protocol, and it just uses Signal D because people don't want to get booted off of Signal because Signal's tied to your phone number and all that. So if you get banned from it, you're stuck, right? So like, in theory, it would be easier, but like Telegram on the other side, or other hand, Telegram is actually, there's really good support for it because Telegram themselves released TD lib. And then the protocol plugin for Pigeon for that just uses that library to connect to everything. So that protocol plugin just ends up being glue code between that library and libpurple. So is Telegram at feature parity then in Pigeon versus the, uh, say, the Snap or whatever? Mm, unfortunately, no. So... Pigeon being as old of a project as it is, there were many design decisions made a long time ago that we're still dealing with the repercussions of. And what I mean by that is there's something simple like receiving a message, right? So back in the days of IRC, AIM, Yahoo, MSN, ICQ, etc., right? Once a message was delivered, nobody cared. There was no such thing as message editing. There was no such thing as reactions, read receipts, delivery receipts, etc. So we obviously need to adjust for that. But unfortunately, because of LibPurple and the way it's built and it has a library API version and everything, we can't just change that. We can't just say, okay, when you send a message, you have to have an ID with it and so on and so forth. Because we would have to basically write an entire wrapper API to make that work without breaking the API compatibility. So what we've been doing is we've been putting all of that new features and all that into our very, very long in development cycle of uh, Pigeon 3. And Pigeon 3 is actually, I think, going on year 13 of development. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we, we made the mistake of trying to change the world. And at last check, there's been over 2 million lines of churn between the two versions. Wow. So like a couple of weeks ago, we released Pigeon 2.14.7. And last night I was working on Pigeon 3, which is 2 million lines of churn different than that release. <laughs> so they're, they're very, very different worlds. But um, Pigeon 3 is going to be able to do all of the things that the modern clients do because we can we have a clean breaking point for the API at that point. And we're building it to be able to have those features, like I mentioned, the read receipt, delivery receipts, reactions, replies, threads, all that stuff. That's all, you know, taking the forefront now rather than before it was just kind of ignored. And dare I ask when we're going to see that then? 
finally released? Oh, <laughs> I have had many estimates on when it's going to happen. And every time I think I'm close, I find out how far away I am. Our last goal was to have an alpha out by the end of this year, but we recently just decided that we're going to port to GTK 4. So one of the big differences between Pigeon 2 and Pigeon 3 is Pigeon 3 was going to be GTK 3. Um, but now GTK 4 is out and GTK 3 is in maintenance mode. So it just makes sense to move to G GTK 4. On top of that, GTK 4 is also much easier to build on Windows and Mac OS as a standalone library without like uh, MSYS or Chocolatey or Homebrew or anything like that. So when we do release Pigeon 3 and we release the alphas and everything, we will be releasing a Windows version, a Mac version, and uh, at least an app image, probably a flat pack as well, as then as well as on all the Linux distros. And we'll be building and maintaining all that ourselves, which will be a little bit different for us, but it'll be, it'll make things consistent across the three major operating systems. I wanted to ask you about the mobile story, because we've seen with things like the Pine Phone and Ubuntu Touch and various other mobile proper GNU slash Linux OSs, a lot of progress in the last year or two. Where is Pigeon with like scaling to mobile then? That's uh, actually a very good question. Um, let me touch base on the Android and iOS situations first, and then we'll come back to the, the, the Linux stuff. The Android side is doable. We just don't have the resources for it. We actually had a summer code student uh, get decently far a couple of years ago, but the project never actually got finished. And we don't have the resources right now to actually continue it. So the Android side isn't going to happen. Aside from that, the iOS side, unfortunately, will probably never happen um, because uh, of the GPL distribution requirement or conflict with the iOS App Store, unless Epic somehow pulls a win and gets that term changed. Um, because <laughs> <laughs> you've got a lot of legacy code, right? You can't just relicense for that specific use case. Right. So our code base goes back to 1998. We have over 600 contributors to it, and all I have are names. I don't even have email address. And even if I did have email addresses, they've probably changed. Mm. It's not feasible for us to be able to actually grant that exception. So it's just not going to happen. So from the Linux phone side of things, some of you may be aware that Chatty, the chat application, the, the chat and SMS application on the Pine phone is, and, and under Mobi and I forget what else, um, is actually based on libpurple. So um, actually, I don't think I've explained this yet. Let me just do this real quick. So Pigeon itself is made up of a couple of components. There is a core library that abstracts the protocols and the user interfaces, and that's what we call libpurple. So you've heard me refer to that a bunch of times. That's that's the purple piece. Pigeon itself is just a UI on top of that. So for something like Chatty, what they've done is they've taken libpurple, and then they just build their own interface on top of it, and then that's what ends up on your Pine phone or whatever, right? So one of the big things that's been changing with uh, Linux apps on phones is there's new libraries out there like libhandy, which makes your GTK applications responsive. So they'll be able to scale to different size screens and stuff like that. So probably about a year ago or so, um, we actually started adopting libhandy into the Pigeon 3 code base. And now as we're transitioning to GTK 4, we're going to be moving to lib, adwata, and so on, right? So like our goal is that we'll get Pigeon on those Linux phones but we've got to finish that transition to GTK4 first. Right, I see. You said that you don't have the resources for the Android app. How are things looking in terms of the number of devs and resources that you have then? There's basically about two of us that are active right now, um, with me working full-time on Pigeon right now. 
and the other person works part-time and they primarily review my code, but they do send some pull requests from time to time. So yeah, we we're very, very short on resources. And aside from just doing the development, I'm also handling our infrastructure, our support, all our social media, all of that. And before you're going, well, why does a project like Pigeon have infrastructure? The easy answer is legacy. (laughs) We run our own email server with our own GNU mailman mailing lists. On top of that, we have our own website. We run our own XMPP server so that people can come and talk to us and stuff like that. And then we run our own issue tracking and stuff like that because we've had quite a few bad experiences with code hosting providers. Okay, this episode is sponsored by CBT Nuggets, training for IT professionals or anyone looking to build IT skills. Go to cbtnuggets.com slash late night Linux and sign up for a seven day free trial. The on-demand virtual labs mean you can build practical experience with the commands, config, scripts, and everything you need to get the most out of each course. Another standout feature is the accountability coaching service, available to all learners with a subscription, which gives you access to a real person who will help you craft a personalized learning plan and set goals, and will check in with you to keep you accountable. So start your free seven-day trial today at cbtnuggets.com slash late-night-linux. It includes unlimited access to all course materials, including virtual labs. That's cbtnuggets.com slash late-night-linux. So don't take this the wrong way, right? <laughs> but isn't Pigeon kind of an old-fashioned way of doing things, like getting all your messaging protocols into one application? Like These days, people are just used to having an app for each individual service that they use, whether that's on their phone or on the desktop. So like, isn't it kind of an old paradigm? I don't know that I would say it's an old paradigm, because it's not that people exactly have a choice, right? There are a couple other universal messengers out there, modern ones, uh, stuff like Beeper or um, Rambox, and like, there's another one I always forget, or even uh, Trillion's still around too, right? Although I, I don't think Trillion really does third-party support anymore. They actually created their own protocol and now sell it to enterprises. But like, so there's still all of these ones around. Oh, Miranda's still around too. But the thing is like on mobile, that hasn't really been an opportunity, right? And I don't think that it's necessarily like old fashioned. I think it's just no one's actually tried to tackle it on mobile. For what reason? I don't know. Like I I gave our reasons earlier, right? It's mostly resources and legal stuff. But why anybody else hasn't really tried to tackle it, I couldn't tell you. But then again, even Matrix is kind of getting there, right? Matrix, with all their bridge support, you can just use a Matrix client, and all of a sudden you're using everything from your phone. It does feel a bit clunky, though, Matrix. Like, I'm in some Telegram channels, and the people who are talking via Matrix, it doesn't properly integrate. That's one of the things, right? So one of the big differences between Pigeon and a Matrix bridge is we're not dumbing everything down to a certain protocol to make everything work. We're handling the protocols exactly. And then we're abstracting them on the client side. So like a good example is, uh, I don't think any of the matrix bridges support voice calls right now. I could be wrong. So like to make that happen over a matrix bridge would be your matrix client has to talk to the bridge to initiate a voice call, which then has to go over to the main service to start the call. And then you have to somehow route that via WebRTC or turn or something, right? To then get you back because you're not actually speaking the same protocol to the person you want to have a voice call with. 
Whereas in the pigeon world, you would be speaking the exact same protocol and the abstraction happens on the client side. So it would just be, you know, instead of display this specific window for this user in a web page, right? It's just pigeon goes, okay, somebody wants to start a call. Let me start up a G streamer sync and actually start the call. And then that way it's still a point to point connection, not a point to point with a center or whatever, with a negotiator in between. So if people want to help out, what can they do? What do you need help with? This is always a difficult question to answer. And the reason for that is, uh, as I said, Pigeon 3 has been in development for like 13 years, and we are still in the nitty-gritty refactoring area. And that makes it very, very hard for newcomers. Um, you've heard me mention Google Summer Code a couple times here, too. Um, and an important thing I should mention, too, is like, we stopped doing summer code in 2016 because we didn't want to subject students or new coders to the state of our code base. We did it this year because we felt that it had gotten to the point where it was acceptable. It wasn't great, but it was acceptable. There's no one really to blame for this. I mean, it it was 23 years of development, right? And up until I took over the project in 2016, we weren't doing code reviews. So (laughs) people were just committing and that was it, right? There's nothing wrong with it. That's the way the development was back then. But the thing is that accumulates over time, right? So it gets very difficult and stuff to deal with there. But if people are looking for some way to start contributing, we do have a contributing page on our website, which gives you a bunch of examples, even uh, non-programming things that people can do to help us out. Oh, well, I'll put a link to that in the show notes then. And also uh, pigeon.im is the website. What about if people want to get in contact with you directly? I have my own personal website, which has my links to all the things, uh, including my uh, my Twitch pro- profile where I stream Pigeon Development Live. So if you want to check that out and think it's fun, you can do that. But you can find that at reaperworld.com, which has the links to all of that as well. And then uh, one more thing for anybody that's interested in Pigeon, we're going to be doing what we call the State of the Bird on October 14th. The state of the bird, it's a pun on, you know, state of the state, state of the union, you know, one of those addresses. Um, and what we do is we talk about what's happened in pigeon development in the past three months. And that'll be coming up on October 14th at 9 p.m. UTC. So if you want to go ahead and join us, that'll be live on my Twitch channel, which you can find on my website. And then afterwards, I'll end up posting it on YouTube as well for archival purposes. Okay, great. Well, I'll put links to all that in the show notes then. Thanks a lot for joining me then, and uh, speak to you again at some point. All right, thank you very much for having me.